On today's show, Chris and I dive into the Cleveland Cavaliers losing once again to the New York Knicks. And I got to ask you guys as we head in, what was colder, the weather outside or the Cavs offense in the third quarter? Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com backslash locked on to get started. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerel. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. We are two tired podcast hosts for Halloween as we re- record immediately after Cavs Knicks. Well, I, I have like the, the I normally dress this way, but I feel like I especially look like a 1950s like Same. white man right now. Okay, so. you, you are, you, your costume is like an onion. It's got layers. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Cavs Knicks. Cleveland loses by 18. No Darius Garland. No Jared Allen. No, no, Karis uh, or Ty Jerome or Ty Jerome. Not that one's no offense to Ty Jerome, less of a concern, but the other three pretty significant. Jared Allen's haven't played this season. Darius Garland only played once. Evan, big takeaway from this game as we do after every game for me, it's just I, I'm going to hedge and I don't like hedging, but I have I have a hard time looking at how the Cavs really could have won this game, frankly, or for us looking at seeing what has changed basis, how these guys played in this game versus the playoffs last year, when they have all these injuries two two way guys played pretty significant minutes and the Knicks were full strength. I, I don't feel like as much as I still think there are some concerns, I don't feel like we were able to actually like learn very much coming out of this game as frustrating as I'm sure it was for, for the Cavs themselves. Uh, yeah, there's, that's just kind of how it's been even in that lone win of the season over Brooklyn. Like it's hard to take full stock of what this Cavs team is capable of um, just because they are not at a hundred percent. They are missing Darius Garland. They are missing Jared Allen two pretty vital pieces to either end of the floor for the Cavs. Uh, Allen on defense, Garland on offense, of course. And like you said, like Craig Porter Jr. And Amani Bates got like serious minutes and sure they played a lot of garbage time in the fourth quarter, but like they, <laughs> Bates was the first player off the bench for the Cavs with George Niang and um, Craig Porter Jr. subbed in about towards the end of the first quarter. Uh, and then we saw a lineup of Craig Porter Jr., Max Struess, Amani Bates, George Niang, and Tristan Thompson, which is just a lineup I never thought would really have happened this year for the Cavs. And that, that that's something that was uh, a product of the Cavs offseason and them getting punked by the Knicks was adding all this depth and having kind of strength in numbers, but that really goes to the wayside when you're missing, again, this is still a top heavy team, like missing two pretty important pieces. And I think there's stuff we can break down individually from this game. Um, that's where my take's going to go with this, but I agree with you. Like it's hard to get a full scope of what this season really is so far, just because the Cavs unfortunately just have had bad health to start the year. 
Yeah, and look, even Donovan Mitchell, I think, had did some really effective things in this game, but I think you also just saw, I think, sometimes how much he is missing um, as a creator at times. And, you you know, he made some really good passes. My play of the night is going to be a Donovan Mitchell assist that he made. But you saw, like, the Knicks just put two guys up at the level and blitz him to some degree and say, everyone else beat us, and you know, your thing's going to be on Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley didn't do that. Max Struess... Did not do that. George Nang, who uh, we'll talk about in segment three, because I have a take I want to get off about him, has not been good, and he wasn't good in this game. And and they did some things that were interesting, and bless their hearts for getting these these minutes. But like Craig Porter Jr. overall was like not particularly effective. Amani Bates like is not ready for this, and that all just kind of shows up. And his, his first two actual NBA shots were air balls and then he makes like a step back three and I'm like that's that kind of just feels like the entire crystallization of the Amani Bates experience so far yeah but but it's like even like Bates you watch him get screened by Julius Randle in this game and he's at least like moving in the right direction but he just gets hit with a thud and it's there's nowhere for him to go defensively he's he doesn't totally know where to be at or how to play defense which makes sense he's 19 but if and if you're but and it's not fair to him in my opinion, to throw him into the deep end against a team that you played in the playoffs last year right away. That's a hard spot for him to be in. And I think that reflects kind of the outcome here. You're, but you have some thoughts on the mobile. Let's get, let's get to those, Evan. So Evan Mobley had a pretty disappointing game um, against New York. And it, just disappointing from the lens of he really stepped up in a major way against the Pacers, kind of had like a career defining game. You're like, okay, this is what Evan Mobley could be when he is like the number one or number two option on this team. Like is very much involved in the offense is very heliocentric and designed towards him. Um, and you didn't get that against the Knicks. You saw him kind of not just he he couldn't dissect what New York was doing to him defensively, whether it was Isaiah Hartenstein or Mitchell Robinson or even just like Julius Randle as well. Like the Knicks really frustrated him. And like he uh let me pull the stats up here. If you just look at last season, regular season and postseason and this game, he's averaged 10.8 points, 9.3 rebounds, 2.9 assists, and 1.8 blocks per game. Uh those are not good numbers. And Again, um, it's hard to take a full scope or a full analysis of what this team can or cannot be, but it's really disheartening if you're the Cavs when you are down two star players in Garland and Allen, but like Mitchell stepped up to the task and tried to give the Cavs everything he could in the first half, uh, certainly shrank a little bit in the second half, but like Mobley didn't step up at all in this game. And like that's disheartening if you're Cleveland because. When the Cavs had no stars against the Pacers, Mobley more than stepped up. You're like, okay, maybe he's starting to show a little bit of that edge. And then it just vanished against New York. And I, I don't really have an answer for it, but you're, you're hoping to see this year three leap and you're not really seeing signs of it. You're just kind of seeing more defensive dominance. And like when he isn't just the lone wolf out there, um, you're not seeing him kind of overtake over on offense like you want him to. The other thing that I would add to this is physically, I thought he struggled with Isaiah Hartenstein. I thought he struggled with Mitchell Robinson. I I he, literally thought of that Kevin James meme when uh, Hart, like Kevin James meme is like, uh, this is Isaiah Hartenstein. Whatever Evan Mobley's trying to post up on him in this game. It it was not the most 
it was not the best looking thing for Mobley and, and where his offense is right now. I, I think that that's unavoidable. And I think, so, you know, look, I, I even think I was lower on him and what his offense was based on other people. I Based on another night, I thought that that game had like a lot of points, but I didn't feel like it was the big breakthrough that maybe the framing was on it to some degree. And I think that was it. And I think this, this to me validates a little bit of where he's at. It's, it's a little bit of a struggle right now. It's a little bit underwhelming right now, frankly, for Evan Mobley on offense. And this was a game and this will be a matchup. And anytime they're in a big series, you're going to need more from him on offense. He's yeah. going to be part of this breakthrough if that's going to happen. And when it doesn't happen and you see some of the limitations, like that's a concern. Yes, the, I think he plays with more physicality, but it hasn't always translated Correct. I think in the in the way that you might hope it would at this point. Can I ask you this? I, like, mm-hmm. I know the Raptors are not a good team right now, record wise, and are struggling quite a bit. But like, when you watch how Scotty Barnes is just kind of doing a little bit of everything and doing whatever, like, yeah, there's you take it the grain of salt. It's a bad team right now, but you look at what Scotty Barnes is doing, you're thinking like, you wish Evan Mobley kind of had some of that selfishness, or maybe the Cavs would find ways to empower him in ways that allow him to do things. Cause like they're not the same player, but they are, so is some overlap and you, the, the, the stuff like Barnes does, you wish um, Mobley was just kind of trying at this point, especially like when the Cavs are undermanned um, and like need somebody to step up other than Donovan Mitchell. I think the, the comparison I kind of have jumped to is Chet just because Chet clearly has like offensive utility well, in, in a, Chet, like, Chet's in, what Cavs fans think Evan Mobley is in terms of just like a three-point shooting defensive juggernaut. Well, but like Chet's not a defensive juggernaut yet. I think we know that, but and like I don't think he's as Brother, good defensively as Mobley is. Seven against the Cavs. I but like, he but like, and yeah, yeah he, had he seven, got taken. Then he got taken to task by Jokic in the Thunder home yeah, opener. He, but he's not. He's gonna be a really good defender, but he's not like a. Def, he's not that level of defender. Mobley's a better defender. But Chet has the pick and pop. Chet has the feel on the shot that is the separator to me, and that is lacking on Mobley's side. Yeah, and and like, there's things Mobley I, does, but watched him with quite a few like post up uh, weight jumpers early in the season, and it's just like, yeah, you want him trying those things and trying to find comfort in that, but boy, you're wishing it would just start landing for him because like it just looks like it's just like it goes up and then back down like a medicine ball. All right, coming up after this, it's Game Awards. That's MVP, Stat of the Night, and Play of the Night. We'll talk about that coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. That's the official sportsbook of Locked On and an official partner of the NFL, and you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So let's say you're a diehard Browns fan, Browns this weekend playing a bad Arizona Cardinals team. Maybe it's a good time to check out FanDuel. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And if you're an NBA fan, they have a ton of NBA bets 
as well. I might I might be intrigued to say sprinkle some MVP money on Devin Booker or Jason Tatum in the not if you're not going for Jokic. So visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown to kick off the NFL season and dare I say tip off the NBA season as well. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Uh, game awards. MVP Donovan Mitchell scored the most points. Was the one player in the Cavs that actually put fear into the Knicks defense. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, um, Mitchell definitely cooled off in the second half. He only had six points overall, but like was the leading scorer for the Cavs. Was the reason why uh, Cleveland was able to hang in this game. Um, I think you got to respect the fact that probably isn't a hundred percent physically, but made it pretty clear post game like there was no hesitation that he wasn't going to play and he expects to play against New York tomorrow as well. I think you notice especially that Bickerstaff didn't really play his starters heavy heavy minutes down the stretch like he knew this game was lost and threw in the threw in the towel and got his starters some and at least key rotation guys some like actual like rest uh, heading into a pretty hostile environment and um just a, a team that just has continued to uh, bewitch and befuddle you every step of the way. So, yeah, it's a good pick. And just for me, like the other guy is just Isaac Okoro. Played really well in these first four games for Cleveland, continues to do so. Contract here, Okoro is kind of fun. I'll talk about that a little bit more in the third segment. But um, he is a bright spot in an otherwise kind of crappy stretch the Cavs are dealing with, right? Let me ask this. Has he been the bright spot of the Cavs early season? Is Isaac Okoro the answer to that question? I think for me it's yes. I think it's him or Struess being what I expected him to be, but also like that playmaking bump has been a little fun for me to see. Like it's, it's one of those two. Yeah. Everything else has been pretty blah. Yeah. It's just underwhelming, man. All right, let's and go like, to play. Yeah, play go ahead. Tonight. Yeah, let's just go to play yeah. tonight. It's just been yeah, a well this season so far for the Cavs. And yeah, this, again, we can't take full stock of it because they are missing two incredibly key pieces. But like on an individual level, like kind of disappointing if like this is uh, not, not, not the way you were hoping the season would start if you're Cleveland. No, so play of the night. This was to me maybe the, the Mitchell had just like moments of unguardable stuff in this game. Uh, he had this thing where he beats a trap. Two guys come meet him at the level, meet him, and try to try to force the ball out of his hands. He beats it, and he gets Tristan Thompson to dunk. This was just the best version of Mitchell the playmaker. This was the best version of what Mitchell can do when he's really feeling it, and you pressure him, and he reacts and reads it. It's It was, to me, my favorite Mitchell play of the night. He did a lot of cool stuff in this game, even in the loss. But for him beating this trap, beating two guys coming at him, getting Biden and getting Tristan Thompson a clean dunk, uh, that that's going to be my one. And you could have picked three, four other Mitchell plays, I think, from this one. Evan, what's your pick? Uh, my pick is, I know I was kind of like poking fun at it, but that Amani Bates like step back three pointer, like the dribble move he had, and he stepped back to take that three. It was just kind of like, oh, wow, that's that's fun. Like, um. Jackson Flickinger or uh, Flicking Flickerington or whatever his name badge said tonight um, was talking about it. Like, yeah, he does show some signs of being like a rotation player. Does need a lot of time to grow and develop, but just like that kind of like have that confidence to take that type of shot after airballing your first attempt. You know what? Like, I Monty Bates, I, I tip my hat to you on that play. Like, that was fun. The, 
the thing I really liked about that play was that he how he used his frame. He is this really long guy, and he had a mental quickly on him. And instead of giving me, I mean, what he did to kind of create the room there for himself was say, okay. He's closed out on me well. I need to pump fake him. I need to create a little more space. And my frame, because I'm longer than him, I can do that. That's something that for him at 19 to have that instinct to do that in that spot and have the footwork, I think, to get it off in that space. That is impressive. That that was the highlight of his night. It's clearly his best skill right now is is shot making and and having the confidence to keep shooting at times. Again, the rest of the game is going to need to get around that out. But that if there's a baseline in a skill, you can you can build from. I don't hate that as a starting spot for for what is going to be a, a really interesting project for Cleveland. And he's gotten more minutes early due to these injuries. And I th- I don't think that's been the worst thing in the world for him. It's certainly not going to last, but I think getting him at least a little bit of run here before the charge season starts is, is not a bad thing. All right, stat of the night. I have two and they're, they kind of hit the same theme. So I'm just going to give two. Number one, the Cavs missed 11 shots to start the third quarter. It's pretty bad. Game is lost right there. Or they shot 26.3% from three. It's very hard to win a basketball game when you're that poor three. Do you think the Cavs are a little too trigger happy from three sometimes? Like they took an obscene amount during the preseason and it was kind of like, oh yeah, that's fun. Like that, that could be fun. But like, are they becoming like a little too reliant on getting their offense going from the perimeter? Because Again, like New York was packing the paint, not letting Evan Mobley get any good looks. Like again, Hartenstein, Robinson, like did a very good job um, walling off Mobley in this game. And I understand like maybe trying to unlock the defense a little bit by hitting threes, but like it, it feels like every game, like the Cavs are really just shooting up a lot of prayer sometimes. I don't. Like, there's I not, think there's not is, like a purpose yeah. to the attempt attempts other than maybe just like okay, we're just gonna try and see if we can get a couple to go in. I think I think there is probably a balance to find somewhere, but I think not having Garland really hinders this, and I think oh, they're yeah. really there's, struggling. I think they're there's no flow. No, I think they're really struggling just to kind of get co- run coherent offense to some degree right now. I think everything just feels a little bit off, and I mean, you know, Craig Porter Jr. again stepped in, did his thing to some degree, had two blocks. That's something he can can speak to and and how he did there, but you could just tell that when he's your backup point guard option, when you have no vert, who's already not really an optimal backup creator for others. And you don't mm-hmm. have Garland and Ruby office is away from the team. And we don't even know exactly what he would have been this year. Health wise. Like it's, it's, it's a weird place for your offense to be. And, and Mitchell is great. He is not a great creator for others. That's one of the big weaknesses in his game. And I think holds him back at times. Evan, what's your stat? Uh, my stat of the night is the last time Isaac Okoro stored, scored excuse me, in double figures in four straight games was in 2021. Uh, he's been on a tear to start the season. And again, like, has been fun to watch. Like, he's taking threes with confidence. Uh, he burned the Knicks for sacking off of him in this game. And I said this in the last segment, I, or actually earlier in this segment, rather. Like, he has been one of the few bright spots during this stretch for the Cavs. And just it's weird to think like he hasn't had like consistent double digit nights in over two years yeah um i'm just in on on what a quarter has been so far he's been really i think useful in a way that is really good the island you just bought Uh, real estate when everyone else left because it was that yeah cheap it's cheap that's right I'm, i'm just buying up land now did that work for me at the end waiters absolutely not will it work here better chance probably than the DN waiters and we're not coming up next I have a George Niang take I want to get off and uh we're going to talk about Halloween candy because 
Why not? I, Weird it's in the notes. I put it in the notes. I know, but we're going to talk about it. I'm, I'm excited sure. to hear your answers. Talk about this cool. coming up next. Want to remind you, by the way, you can check NBA games out on SiriusXM on the SXM app, search Cavs or whatever NBA team you want to listen to there. Evan, I got to tell you, I think George Nyang has been completely bad to start the season. He's not hitting shots. And and seeing him in person and watching a little bit more closely and going back and then kind of evaluating some of the stuff I watched when the Cavs got him, I don't like he he I'm not sure what else he's really supposed to provide the Cavs had him defend Julius Randle in this game for stretches and I understand like how that happens and he's big and you can say okay he can defend a post guy like this but if Randle had just like been better or like was better I think that becomes like a real matchup black hole and I'm I look at how he doesn't rebound he's not making shots like I don't really understand like you're not gonna bench him but I, I I don't really understand what Niang is doing that's helpful at the current moment. And I'm, I'm, I've become a little more skeptical that this is... I, I don't feel like this is like an, a top eight playoff guy. If this is kind of the mold, if he's, especially if he's not making shots. No. If he's not making shots, there's like no value to what he to what he brings you. Uh, so I could see him being like that eight and nine guy when this Cavs team is fully healthy because their starting five then would be Garland, Mitchell, Struess, Mopey, Allen. That's five right there. Okoro's played this point like you cannot let him not be in the rotation so he's in the mix uh lavert is so there's seven right there uh and then like it's between like wade niang even jerome i guess too uh jones i think is uh it was certainly telling uh there's one of my takes for the evening like that uh the Cavs want to tristan thompson first over a much younger and way less mileage haver damian jones in this game um so maybe like Tristan Thompson instead, I guess. But either way, um, yeah, Niang, like if this team is fully healthy, like he's a dude where it's easier to pull the hook on him if he's just not making shots because like that's all he really can give you. Um, you watched it quite a bit. Like he was defending Julius Randle and like Randle will call out his own number and like run like an ISO play essentially. And he would just like eat Niang alive. Like he was a weak link in this defense and he's a weak link on the front line, which is something I think the Cavs aren't, fully used to because that is one of their strengths as a team before this season was like we are pretty sound defensively at the four and five spot niang is a bit of a wild card there um and like i remember bakerstaff said like they tried playing niang at the five against brooklyn just because like they are so short on depth in certain positions and like some guys maybe like will get into foul trouble or just that's how knights go but like yeah when this team is fully healthy it's like a toss-up between him and wade i would lead more towards wade just because of same the comfort familiarity for this Cavs team and also like niang is or sorry wade is better defensively right now and yeah if like Niang shot isn't falling and this team is healthy it's easier to pull the plug but like right now when you need bodies out there like you have to kind of roll with the punches with him and unfortunately this is how he's always been like he's never been good defensively and like is kind of a weak link out there <clears throat> any final thoughts about this game the Tristan thing any anything else you want to get off your chest before we just I mean, blind like I happen? said it was it was telling Damian Jones didn't play and Tristan Thompson did and like just more than that like yeah again Isaac Okoro has been great and like I said, would talk about the rotation. Like he has played so well where like when we were coming into this season, we talked about like, Oh, he could be a fringe guy. Who knows? Like, no, he is firmly entrenched in this rotation and you cannot 
allow this momentum that he has built beginning of the preseason into the regular season fizzle out because he is so good as a point of attack defender for you. He is your best point of attack defender. And if he's able to give you like solid minutes offensively and he is taking three pointers with confidence, you don't want to discourage that at all. Yeah. Uh, you got to keep riding a Coro and well, what he is. All right, let's reward. Good play. That's all you can do. Yeah. Get, and maybe he'll get himself paid uh, a year from now. All right, Evan, give me your top three Halloween candies. We'll get out. Okay. Of here. Well, first off, uh, just want to say Tristan Thompson saying Hershey's is the best candy is egregious. Like Hershey's tastes like vomit first and foremost. And then saying Swedish fish are better than um, Skittles actually boosted me for a second. I hate Swedish fish. I don't like Skittles. So I like Skittles. I haven't had a Skittle in like 15 years either though. So that that could explain like, like you would wither, I think if you ate a Skittle or took a sip like Mountain Dew at this point. Yeah. If I had a Baja blaster and I think I would die. To be honest, not from the caffeine either, just from the straight sugar. Yeah, it's not. It's not the caffeine. I drink a lot of caffeine, but it it would be just like but yeah, it would you drink be, uh, like either chemically produced caffeine in terms of like pre workout or like natural caffeine in coffee. So well, yeah, as adults yeah. do. But uh, top Halloween candy for me, it's Reese's is probably my number one. Like I love yeah, your Reese's cup, one. especially like a frozen Reese's cup. Oh, yeah. nothing matches that. Um, okay solidarity on that frozen candy is the way to go unless it's like a snickers which is like my number two like I, i'm a big chocolate guy i like snickers a lot and then probably sour patch kids but if like i could really have like my choice of it like sour patch watermelon it's like those things rock what about you it's reese's uh then i am going am i getting <sighs> I think peanut M&M's too. Peanut or peanut butter? Peanut. Okay. Peanut butter one's also very good. The original also very good. But I there's a nostalgia thing for me. That's like my dad's favorite candy is peanut M&M's. Uh, it was my wrestling so, coach in middle school's favorite candy. And he would always give us crap about eating candy. And then and as like, he eats coach, peanut M&M's. Coach Talcott, yeah. you're, well, okay. Mr. Talcott was like the peak of you'll you'll meet what some of my friends my school in fact like my groomsman Kendall and my brother actually Uh had Mr. Talcott as well like they can tell you like physically just like incredible because he was like 80 plus years old but like still rode his bike to work every single day kind of physically fit like even when it was like great snowing like crazy but then like you're like was eating peanut M&M's once we called him out on he's like so what I do boys is I suck on it until the chocolate melts, spit out the chocolate and eat the peanut. And I believed it when I was 12. And now looking back, I'm like, he was totally lying to me. Look, when you're, when you're 80 years old, just eat whatever you want. Like you've lived your life. All right. So I would go, I would go Reese's peanut M&M's. And then I would, I I would either go, I'm, I'm going to go Twix three and then stick. Twix is a, Twix is a good, a good pick. Like Twix is solid. Also like Kit Kat. Kit Kats aren't bad either. Um, I wish in the United States they would embrace like what they do in like Asian countries, mostly Japan or like Europe or Canada with like the unique flavors because there's some pretty funky flavors out there for Kit Kat. They have a I said a churro Kit Kat pretty <clears throat> recently. So like yeah, like just I don't know fun stuff like that. Like because Kit Kat's a pretty solid foundation. Like crispy wafer chocolate, like. Hard to mess up. Um, that's why Twix is good too. It's chocolate caramel and a cookie, like solid trifecta right there. How do you feel about Butterfingers? 
I like a Butterfinger, but again, I haven't not had one in like 20 years and I prob I couldn't tell like I'm not in a rush to like try a Butterfinger again. So I love Butterfingers. Um, I haven't had one in a really long time either, but the last time I had one, I grew to hate them because like they would stick to my teeth and it's sure. just like so much sugar that it made my teeth hurt. And they I was really like, sugary. I'm just like, that's a minus five on, on the, uh, Evan scale. Yeah. My, uh, we had a ton of trick or treaters according to my soon to be wife. Um, like literally soon to be. 10 days folks um and we have a bunch of candy downstairs and i'm gonna try really hard to resist the temptation to like have a snack run after we wrap this up don't do it eat your candy tomorrow like a as an, an adult, adult be an adult have candy for breakfast laugh well no don't do that school. and i was like yeah, when- i'm eating candy for breakfast this guy all right that's been locked on Cavs. we'll be back after Cavs knicks round two We'll see if anything's different. See if anything changes when the action shifts to Madison Square Garden. We'll talk to y'all then. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always.